Hello everyone and welcome back to Make Better Wedding Films, the home of new ideas for, for radical films about people in love. My name is Ben, I will be your host, and before we get into the show, we've just got a couple of announcements from our sponsors. The first of which is Musicbed, the best home on, on the internet for music for your films, hands down. They've got incredible music from amazing artists from all around the world, curated into amazing playlists to make finding music as simple as possible for you. They've got a subscription uh, built specifically for wedding filmmakers. And if you want to try it out, you can get your first month free by using the code MBWF and let them know that we sent you, which helps out the show. Our second sponsor is Studio Ninja. Now we're going to be talking all about systems and CRMs and, and processes. So if you guys don't currently have a CRM, it is an absolute game changer. I personally use Studio Ninja and I love it. If you guys want to try it out and start automating your emails, sending out automated invoices to your clients and freeing up a lot of the boring admin that's part of your workload, then feel free to check out Studio Ninja with our code MBWF50. You get 50% off your first year with Studio Ninja. All right, that's it for the announcements. On to the episode. Process, organization, workflows and systems, boring, mundane parts of our work, right? wrong on today's show i am talking with brady huff from wedding post house about how systematic approaches to the creative process can not only make us more efficient but also free up mental space to allow us to thrive in our business and avoid burning out my name is ben and this is make better wedding films Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the podcast, Ben. First of all, appreciate it. Um, no worries, I think my accent might slowly come out, as we were saying earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a Kiwi, I'm an Aussie, so slowly, hopefully, you'll hear a bit of my accent. But um, yeah, happy to share some of my story. Um, so I started uh, in video about 10 years ago. Um, so right out of high school, um, I was really interested in it. And it just happened to coincide really well with when Instagram launched video. Um, on their platform instead of just photos. Um, so it was really just a right time, right place sort of thing. Um, and I got into commercial work while I lived out in Hawaii. Um, and fast forward a couple of years, uh, my wife's actually from Florida. So we ended up moving to Alabama about three years ago and um, kind of right when COVID hit. So um, I was working a lot with advertising agencies with my commercial work. Um, and all of a sudden I moved to Alabama and I couldn't get a meeting with anyone. Uh, and ended up jumping into weddings. Uh, so it's been about three years doing weddings. Um, I was lucky enough to get into a mastermind really early uh, that talked about um, kind of the luxury market and what that actually was. Um, so I got to skip a lot of trial and error in that respect and uh, jump straight into doing um, weddings that I probably had no place doing uh, <laughs> at first, but uh, learned quickly along the way and um, got up to charging uh, you know, five figures for weddings. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting journey. And, and along the way, I just, you know, as everyone does, took too many weddings and uh, had to figure out, you know, outsourcing and a lot of those fun things, which kind of led, you know, my journey to where I am today. But yeah, we'll, we'll do about, um, you know, anywhere from five to 10 weddings a year is kind of where I'm, I'm trying to aim right now. Hmm. Um, and just being really picky with, with the weddings we do. Um, just because it's, I think nowadays it's so easy to get burnt out. So I, I really try to focus on, you know, weddings that I really enjoy the couple, really enjoy, especially too, I think, especially in the luxury space, the, the planner and the photographer can really make or break 
your experience and your day. Um, mm. So that's that's kind of the goal and, and where we're at now. And yeah, just really loving it at the moment. Yeah, exciting, man. No, that, that, that's cool. That's um, interesting to hear that kind of fast track experience because um, my previous conversation on the episode before this um, was a conversation with a guy whose story is very similar to mine, which is like the very slow burn process of um, doing it over 10 plus years. Um, <clears throat> so it's cool to hear yeah. the, the other, what, what the other side of the coin of that looks like. Um, and I think you bring up burnout's an interesting one too, because I think it's, it's something that a lot of us have been dealing with, especially off the kind of like hangover of COVID and like yeah. since the adrenaline rush of COVID has kind of worn away and I think a lot of us are now dealing with the burnout repercussions of that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, interesting to hear you sort of throw out the number of five to ten weddings because for a, lo a lot of us that is like, sounds like crazy small. Um, yeah, and, and to so, be fair, like yeah. I, I do other stuff as well. Mm. You know, I, I still do commercial Obviously. work. Mm. Um, you know, wedding post house, so outsourcing mm. companies a big mm. part of that. Um, actually, yeah. have my real estate license, so I do a couple transactions mm. a year. So, yeah, it's Sweet. it's definitely. I wouldn't yeah. say that's necessarily sustainable for most people. If if no. wedding videography is your only thing, you know. But but for me, that's kind of our sweet spot at the moment, and it works yeah. well. I'll second shoot as well, so I don't yeah. usually count those in there. Yeah, and so yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but uh, I guess so. A question that comes up there is, um what benefit do you see how does it work for you i guess splitting your focus like that does that allow you to feel less burnt out and kind of just do a few things at you know at rather than like 200 miles an hour doing one thing i'm um, doing a few things like having a few um irons in the fire as it were like how yeah. does that kind of whole setup work for you um, I've been thinking a lot about that at the moment and, uh, sometimes I wonder if it's smart. Um, but mm. I think it just comes down to your personality and how you're wired, right? Like I just, I just love being busy. Um, I just got back on Monday from a week's vacation in Hawaii. Uh, one of my friends got married actually and, mm. uh, ended up shooting the wedding of course. Mm. Um, but just sitting on the beach with my wife, mm. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> like I need to be doing something. Yeah. I need to be jumping in the water or surfing or like doing something. So for me and my personality, I think it's just understanding your strengths. Um, I've seen people in the industry who just go all in on their business. Um, Peyton Frank films, uh, Megan Pettis is another one. And you know, they are absolutely killing it because it's their sole focus. Um, and they're doing a lot better business than I am. Um, and maybe I could, be at that level if I went 100% in and really focused on it, but I just get bored really easily. So um, I enjoy doing a couple of different things. And for me, like mm. business really is my passion. So mm. being able to run different businesses and learn things, um, you know, in real estate or in um, crypto investing or in, you mm. know, other things that I'm doing, I, I just, it comes into the business side of things for, um, you know, any business that I run, the marketing things that I learn and, you know, email marketing and other, other things that all come into play. So I, for me, it's just, I got to be learning. Otherwise I just get really bored really fast, you know? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I get that. And I get like how you learn 
different things that like apply to your say wedding film business that you learn through other stuff getting that different kind of um input learning different types of marketing strategies like in the kind of you know commercial space they're like oh that works for weddings but i would have never learned it if i had just lived in the wedding world because no one yeah you know as soon as you're in one just in one world it's this echo chamber of just the same ideas bouncing around over and over again yeah um yeah and yeah i totally get that whole idea of like getting bored and because like look i'm there um but i um but but for some people like i could see if i was like you know if i was not my personality or if i had kids and wanted to be with them i think it, it would make more sense for me just to do one thing but you know not having kids and and you know having a personality that likes change i think that's mm more well suited for it you know yeah it's 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 good to know your know your personality and stuff um yeah because like i because i was like super super split and i've ended up pulling effectively all of my commercial work away yeah and just so i can focus on weddings and podcast and kind of that's it because i was just getting like too split focus and yeah um, and yeah yeah 100 and it's it's interesting too because if you're in the same industry like i noticed commercial work and weddings i couldn't do both together that was really hard but something like you know the outsourced editing or crypto Mm. investing or other things like that that are wholly different um yeah and a lot of those things too it's kind of set and forget you know i'll I'll, with real Mm. estate i'll refer someone for a transaction or crypto i'll take a look at the market and maybe reallocate funds and then let it sit for six months so it's Mm. you know it's i'm not necessarily doing it every day um so it yeah. it works well with weddings where you know mm. i usually am doing something for that every day yeah um yeah absolutely like feeling like it's actually a different like putting your brain in a different zone rather than, like the the commercial and weddings just felt like too too similar yeah um very but, similar path yeah yeah um let's i guess segue now into talking a little bit about wedding post house do you want to tell us how that came about and because like if you've only been in the wedding space for two years what gave you the clarity to go aha gap in the market like this kind yeah. of outsourcing especially like a very focused kind of outsourcing so yeah do you want to give us a little rundown on yeah. how wedding post house came to be yeah that was that was kind of a two-part thing um and the first half of that was uh it was 2022 i'm sure everyone gets ptsd here in about last year um it we were just so busy like it was catch up on you know COVID 2020 2021 postponements um 2022 is just a big year for everyone and i was trying to basically outsource all my editing but i was having some issues with my outsourcer like it was taking about two months to get a project back um which for my clients i try to do about a 30-day turnaround um Mm. so i just got stuck with a couple projects and um was actually doing what is now a culling service myself. So I'd go through all the footage, um, sync the multicams, and I, I just realized like, hey, like this is something that I don't need to be doing. It's not necessarily super high level work, but it's super tedious. Um, so I ended up training someone else on doing that. Um, and once I had trained uh, him up, his name is Paul, he's actually still mm. our OG editor. Um, and he's actually our project manager now, which mm. is really cool to see. Um, but once I trained him up, I realized that I'm utilizing him maybe, you know, once every three or four weeks 
um, and he wanted more work. So I started reaching out to some friends and, you know, I was like, hey, I have this guy. He does this. Is this something you would like to? It's about a three or four day turnaround. Um, and I had three or four friends straight away jump onto it. Um, and I really just realized, hey, this is like a need in the industry. People really like this. Um, and there was nothing else. I couldn't find any culling services. I couldn't find any turnarounds under, you know, two, three weeks. And that was iffy at that, whether or not it'd actually be two or three weeks. So, um, yeah, I, that was kind of the first part was my need for it. And then I was really at the point where I was getting pretty burnt out on weddings and wanted to find, uh, you know, I love business. So something that was scalable that didn't need me there for everything, you know, mm. weddings, I, I have to be there because it's, they're hiring me and yeah. what I do. And yeah, you can do a large studio with big volume. Um, but that just seemed like so much headache to me that it wasn't something I wanted to pursue. Whereas this was something that I could actually scale um, with a team and just kind of manage it, which is really more of my forte and what I like to do. So yeah, yeah built out a lot of systems, um, a lot of systems mm -hmm. um, where it's, it's a lot of it's, uh, really automated now and, and just allows us to keep the price cheap for people. Um, cause yeah. I get asked all the time, like, how is your service so cheap? Um, mm -hmm. cause it is, it's a lot of work, but really just automating everything as much as possible and systematizing everything, um, to keep, you know, that savings passed along to our clients as well. But yeah, that was kind of the origin of, of wedding post house. Yeah. Nice, man. No, that's great. And <clears throat> I think we're, we're going to dive into a bit more on, on systems and maybe what you've learned from, from, wedding post house and how we can apply those those same kind of the benefits of really streamlined systems and how they can benefit um our business and um like combat burnout and and just <clears throat> take some things off our plate because i think you know a, a few episodes back um i had a really interesting conversation with a guy who's deep in the like photography ai space mm. and i think with like all the tools photographers have access to in terms of removing the brunt work from their post-production workflow through AI that we just don't have like the gap yeah. between like the, the physical workload, both like time and headspace for photographers and videographers is just getting so split that, yeah. you know, the photographer will be able to deliver their full set, like a couple of weeks after the winning and then videographers are like two months later, but just because we just can't, yeah, we're just kind of doing everything and it's yeah. already, it's, it's already more work than photography. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think this is, it's, it's definitely like a need that is like, certainly until AI can get to the point where it can, handle that kind of brunt work for video like this is such a need right in terms of yeah. just yeah just... and i'm i'm watching it i'm yeah. watching it like a hawk because it will get there you know whether mm. that's in a year or five years i i think yeah. i think ai is coming for video <clears throat> and whether that scares people or that excites people you know i think it really just depends on how you position your business but um mm. I actually, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff even right now you can use. Um, I've been using ChatGPT to pick my sound bites for, mm -hmm. um, for you know, rehearsal dinner mm -hmm. speeches and that kind of thing. And it's been doing an incredible job. And yeah. there's AI for um, music. You can actually set your target duration length, what kind of mm -hmm. genre you want. And a lot of that stuff will actually post on our Instagram. 
um, if people want to see more of that. Just yeah. uh, just kind of sharing free tips on, on what's happening because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think AI is definitely coming to video um, faster than I think we think, but also at a lower quality level, if that makes sense. So Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I think just like the sheer volume of information and decisions in the video, like, process is just really putting a barrier on even just the, the stuff that we consider like the the dummy work right like yeah like multi-camming stuff and and just pulling out selects and br- removing what is so obviously unusable footage is still just like mm. borderline impossible for ai to even touch at the moment like again not to say yeah. it's not going to get there but like it's just um it's a lot so yeah Yeah, Yeah, and it it can be scary, but I I think, Mm. you know, for anyone who may be worried about that too, it's like, it kind of reminds me of like cameras back in 2008 versus now, Mm. you know, and like in 08, you had like the the 5D Mark II and you had Mm. had to have massive, you know, tungsten RE lights or HMI Mm. lights if you could afford them. And, you know, it was a really Mm. digital look and it was really hard to get a good quality image. Um, And I think a lot of people got phased out of business or scared by it when like mirrorless came because now all of a sudden you could get incredible images and now with a7s threes and cameras like that it's got mm. autofocus and 10 bit and 4k and you know you can basically mm. point the camera and it will almost do most of the work yeah. itself so you know as things as barriers to entries go away as far as getting beautiful imagery and editing i think it'll come down to the experience you give clients and how you position yourself in the industry. Um, So, you know, if if for people who are worried about that, I think it's really just comes down to positioning yourself well as an expert and showing kind of what you give as far as the human aspect um, and your eye, you know, is is really going to be what's valuable. Yeah. Your eye and your taste. I think if we've learned anything over the years, technology will not erase creativity <laughs> like yeah you know it, yeah. from like the internet and digital cameras and like it like it makes things easier it makes creativity easier but it doesn't remove the need for human taste and creative skill yeah 100 yeah, um, it, it just becomes a different process yeah, <clears throat> yeah. um but yeah what is exciting i guess is that it allows freeing up of headspace in some areas. And so I guess let's sort of transition to talking a little bit about um, that now in terms of some of the access we have to various types of technology and systems and processes and automation um, that help just like take some of the mental load off our plate. So um, is there anything specifically let's just start at the beginning let's just start at the beginning of of i guess your process and if there's been any crossover from like what you've learned from winning post house or anything other any other kind of areas of your uh creative business forays um that are sort of bled into your wedding process um we can chat about that as we go but do should we start from the beginning in terms of like how you set up your kind of pre- pre-booking and pre-wedding kind of process crms all that kind of stuff and um what helps you get really really set up for a wedding um and a booking um yeah definitely. without loads of without loads of brunt work 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've really tried to simplify our process and our gear as much as possible. Um, so kind of for us at the moment, and this may be different for people who may be more in the mid-tier market where like clients really want that high touch and to feel valued. Um, generally at the level we're working at now, clients just want to be left alone because their time is valuable and they don't, you know, they care about video, but they just trust the vendor and, and they don't want to give their vision. They just want, you know, something beautiful. So um, we try to kind of cater more to that. But what our system looks like at the moment is someone will inquire with us. Um, a lot of times it's a wedding planner reaching out for their client. Sometimes it's the client themselves. Um, but I have uh, a template email set up um, that basically says, you know, thanks for reaching out. We're really excited about your wedding. Give a few details if, you know, we've shot there before. Here's a film we've done or we love this venue because X, Y, Z, just to personalize mm -hmm. it. Um, and then attached below is our offering. So we have one price. There's no, um, you know, and that may trigger some people maybe, <laughs> um, you know, the whole package versus mm -hmm. um, offering debate. But we just have one price and that's just what mm -hmm. we cost. Um, and there's add-ons that are a la carte if people want to add more films or extra coverage time or different things like that. Um, but basically, we'll end our email with, if you're interested, let's go ahead and chat more. Mm. Um, so if it's with the client, we'll set up a meeting. If it's with the planner, we'll probably just email back and forth. Um, but usually, that's a pretty quick process, and they'll just go ahead and book if they are interested. Um, and then from there, basically, we don't message them again until um, we we'll usually touch base about 30 days, maybe three weeks out from the wedding. Um, just to go over the package that they booked um, and the timeline um, and just kind of what's important for them for the day if they want to chat about it. Some clients opt not to even do that. They just see us on the wedding day and we've had clients where mm. we don't talk to them until the wedding day because they, you know, trust their mm. planner a lot. Um, but yeah, I basically have a packing list that we have set up um, with all the gear that we shoot with and I can fit everything in one checked bag Pelican case and one carry-on Pelican case. And that is it. That's all I have for gear. Um, we, we use three camera bodies and my second will maybe have one or two as well. Um, but yeah, I try to keep the gear really light um, and I'll check off that list, make sure all the batteries are charged. And that's a big thing too is, you know, I think some people just kind of don't go off a packing list and sometimes forget things um, mm. or something's not charged or just creating unnecessary stress on the wedding day. So um, we found that really helpful. But as far as the wedding day itself, I... I really try to be super, super present. Um, I don't have much of a hit list of what I want to get. I really try to, um, you know, I'll, I guess our process for that is just be present um, and mm -hmm. really notice everyone in the room, not just, I think it's so easy to focus on the couple, but really looking at what everyone's doing um, in the room. And, you know, I won't go too much into how we shoot a wedding because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do it better than us. So I would, I would listen to someone else on that aspect, but... Yeah, just really being present. Um, but I think something that separates us out from a lot of other people is just our post-production workflow. So, mm. you know, obviously we use Wedding Post House for our own personal weddings, but we'll basically send have an order email that sends out to the client the day after the wedding, letting them know, um, you know, what to expect as far as turnaround times. Um, and then within about a week, we try to send the wedding planner um, send out a teaser to the client if they booked one. But the biggest thing that has been really helpful for our business is we'll take the whole cold footage timeline from our editors at Wedding Post House, 
color grade it all. And you can actually export out all those clips individually. Um, and what we'll do is we'll put it in different folders on Dropbox. So like partner one, getting ready, partner two, ceremony details, reception details, portrait session, all those little things. Um, and we send that whole kit out to the wedding planner and say, basically, here's all the good shots from the wedding day. If you want to make reels, if you want to have backgrounds for Instagram stories, mm -hmm. anything you want to do, feel free to use it all. Don't even bother tagging us. Um, just use it for whatever you like. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. has gotten us a lot of work. Um, so that's, that's one thing in our process, I guess, that might be different from other people. Mm. Um, but it's just so powerful nowadays. Mm. Like people want content and people yeah. want video content because it mm -hmm. performs so well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of our, most of our workflow. Yeah. So lots of things I want to dive in on. Um, Go for it. Yeah. <clears throat> Love that. Uh, what you last just mentioned there, I think because the idea of providing content to other vendors feels like such a, such a burden on the workflow that's already stretched. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we just don't do it right. So love your approach. Quick question. In terms of editing software and how to export files individually, because that's something I often try to do and haven't figured out a way to just go export all clips yes. individually. Are you, yes. what are you in? Premiere, Final Cut, DaVinci? All right, so I'm in DaVinci Resolve. And you. when you <laughs> when you do it, I and I can I might even make a little Instagram video on this. Um, Please do. Might be easier because in mm. my head it's so hard to figure out. There is a way to do it in Premiere. I've done it in Premiere before. There is a way to do it in DaVinci. Final Cut is my Achilles heel. I'm not amazing mm. on Final Cut, but I'm pretty sure there's a way you can do it on there as well. Mm. Um, it's just kind of hidden behind other yeah. menus. Um, but yes, you can actually export everything out individually um, and in slow motion too if you've slow mowed it down. Because I know some yep. people try to export it out and it's like in regular speed because it's the original clip and it's not the right timing. So you can do it. Mm. It is there. It's just yep. hidden. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I will look into Because that's often what I will do because I often produce like um, either little like uh, Instagram carousels of just like one shot like that goes forward and then reverse so that when you play the clip in Instagram um, looped, it just goes like backward and mm. forward and loop and loops really nicely. And I'll just like, yeah. pr like put 10 of those clips on a timeline. Yeah. Um, and then, but I'll then like select and export each one individually. And so if I could do it, just like booms, export all that would yeah. save some time. Um, yeah. So yeah. Are you on premiere? I'm in final cut. I'm not premiere because gotcha. I don't hate myself. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah premiere is losing users very very quickly yeah. um i'm interested to see what they do i will mm. say though little little free tip um the adobe podcaster i think it's called oh yeah um, i use that on the incredible. regular yeah um yeah, also what i've been using it for is the ceremony so i'll have yeah. all the music for the processional down the aisle and then i'll mm. just cut straight after the music ends and then cut it cut the audio again right before the music begins because it will butcher music. But oh, when it's yeah, just yeah. people speaking, um, take your whole ceremony and just throw it in podcast editor mm. um, and yeah. export it back out and just drop it in. And it will sound so crisp. Like, yeah. it's incredible. <clears throat> the, you get the odd little janky thing, like applause can mm. can throw it off and can get a little janky with applause. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I mean like, fuck, 90% of, of the time, it's great. Um, yeah. yeah, I tend to just part of my workflow now is when I'm done editing the film, I'll just 
like kind of mute everything except for the dialogue and just do like a full mix down of mm. all the of all the dialogue in the film and then just drop that in as like a mixed down um you know uh dialogue track for the whole film yeah um, so yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's 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 great and i think in the next maybe six months uh mm. that's gonna start being natively on the softwares i know davinci yeah. resolve already has a noise reducing thing and it's pretty good mm. i wouldn't say it's the level of the podcaster but yeah, I think that's going to come in natively yeah. really fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. So another thing I wanted to, like, I guess, question on is totally get the whole uh, limited touch points before the wedding for your type of wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And so specifically for the kind of heavy planner luxury market is there anything from the the planner conversation side that can get i guess just cleaned up because i think a lot of us have who have um dove into like crms and have got our like auto emails all set up all of those are really are often designed for couples who are interacting with us for the first time and so we can set up all these nice friendly generic like hey thanks for inquiring like auto emails that yeah if it's a planner getting in touch with you multiple times that would very immediately sound like a robot and get really annoying so is there anything that you do to keep um planner communication friendly and natural without Mm -hmm. um just loading up your plate and just doing everything from scratch from the get-go. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the way that usually plays out is, uh, and I encourage people to do this, uh, is have your email on your website. Um, sometimes that will cause couples to not use your inquiry form and email you, and I just politely redirect them to our inquiry form. Hmm. Um, but planners do not want to fill out your inquiry form. They don't want to get... They don't. They also really don't want to get auto emails. So a lot of the time, a planner will email me directly, um, and basically they'll say, "Got a couple. Here's the wedding date. Here's the venue. They want this much coverage. They want these films, and they want this. Can you price it?" Um, so usually, if I have relationship with them prior, I'll usually hop on the phone with them um, and just have a chat with them usually they're pretty open about budget too on what the couple is expecting to spend or the ballpark of where they want to be um but if not i'll just send out our offering um and try and keep it as short as possible because you know just thinking from the planner's perspective you are one of literally like 30 or 40 vendors that they are working with they don't want to talk about their day or what's been going on with them or what's new maybe Maybe they love your films and maybe you're a personality on Instagram and they're excited to work with you. And that may be, you know, just who you are and how you operate your business. And I could see that being different. But for me, like I don't show too much of my personality on there. So I know they just want, you know, a great film, someone who's really professional that they can trust. Um, So that's kind of how we present our dialogue um, with them. But yeah, just just talking as little as possible, because from that's what I would want if I was them. you know, and, and everyone's different, but that's worked well for us for the types of planners we attract. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, cause I've like, my business is sort of like, 
not half and half, but like I do, I deal with like some just like just with the couples and then some just, just with planners and more so over the years, more and more planners. Um, and yeah, just trying to like adjust my workflow and approach and trying to, especially because with video, there's so many different ways to go about like what you offer and what you don't and how to approach it. And yeah. are you offering a, a 10 minute film or a, or a five minute film? Like it's just, it's, it's, it, there's a little, it's, it can get sliced up so much more differently than photography. So I've been, yeah, yeah trying to figure out like, look, am I going to like get in touch with planners beforehand and like get them up to speed with like what I, what they can then present to couples. I like, I, yeah, I, I've been trying to figure out what's sort of the best way. Cause yeah, I totally get that. Like planners don't want to be fucking about with like, like it's yeah. business basically. It's totally, yeah. it's, it's, I will it's say they love a good phone call though. Like if, if, yeah. if you're ever in mm. doubt, just, just, Hey, let's hop on a call. Yeah. You know, I'd love to mm. got a couple of questions for you and make sure you have your questions ready mm. um, yeah. too. But I think that I've found is a great way to build a relationship. I've done that with a couple of planners, even working with them the first time. Um, and I, I think it's a great opportunity to show that you know exactly what you're talking about. And mm. if you can set those clear expectations, especially six months out um, or as early out as you can on, on what you need to do your job the best, they really appreciate that. Mm. Um, you know, because you don't want to be messaging the week before and saying, you know, I need this and I need this and I need mm. this. You know, they're, everything's set by that point, right? So, yeah, yeah they, I, def I think they definitely enjoy a phone call and, it lets your personality shine through. So I'd say, you know, if, if you're on the fence about how to approach working with a planner, just give them a call and, um, you know, just be candid about, about what you need They're They're realistic on that too. They know that you have needs, um, to do your best work and they're yeah. usually pretty, pretty good at accommodating that. Yeah. Similar to your packing list. Do you have like a list of things that you, you need to like a list of information you need to get from, a planner or a couple to make sure you tick off like like where's the audio coming from for the ceremony like what's the lighting like for the reception like is yeah it, have you got a kind of list of things that you like don't have to think about i, do, I just i um, need all this information yeah so we have two one is for our initial call with the couple as far as um kind of venue locations kind of some of mm. those details if they have them already um, what kind of film they're looking for and some of those details. So we have a template I work off of for our initial, we call it like the discovery call. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the follow-up call, um, we call that the timeline review. For that call with the couple, if we do have it, there's additional questions. But most of it's like, um, you know, if they're having a rehearsal dinner and they haven't already added us on, if they have speeches there and they do want to add us on, uh, how many speeches there are. A lot of it goes around um, kind of speeches or, and because that's the biggest thing for me that I just need to be prepared for. Mm. Um, anything as far as lighting, we actually figure out day of. Audio, we figure out day of. Um, usually it looks like miking one of the partners and the officiant. Mm. Um, if we can get the soundboard, we do. Um, but honestly, I'm we have our, our live packs pretty, pretty mm. spot on. So I'm not huge on getting additional sources if we don't need them. Um, if there's no soundboard, we'll, you know, just run off those two. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll mic up the soundboard, but I, I pretty much have the cords to mic any soundboard possible and I smile a lot. So I, I don't actually talk to the sound guy ahead of time. 
um, yeah. audio tech, whatever. I forget what they like mm. to be called, but yeah, I don't talk Sound to them ahead guy. of time. I just, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. me, uh, I don't know. I just, I think it complicates it. And, mm. you know, if I get too busy and I'm trying to get some shots and the sound guy's like, hey, we're ready for you. Like, I just don't want to have any expectations. Um, yeah. You know, so I actually don't do any of that. Even lighting. Mm. Um, what's really interesting, um, I got to work recently with Chris with Storybox um, Cinema. Mm. Do you yeah. know those guys? A mm. uh, second shot for him. And I also, a couple times, and I've shot with Peyton Frank Films as well. And... Um, yeah, they won't use lighting a lot of times at all because the planners on those weddings have designed their reception space the yeah. perfectly for like the ambiance and exactly mm. what they want. That mm. if you bring a light in there, they will not be happy because um, yeah. you're ruining, you know, their mood. And, you know, I think that's something as videographers, we just got to be aware of, you know, if mm -hmm. are we enhancing this or can we work without it you know what's the client how's the client experience being affected by this yeah. um because at, at the end of the day yes we want to make a great film but we also want to be a great vendor to work with too and yeah. i think there's a balance there that's a fantastic point to make absolutely love that um yeah thing is when you're getting to the point where lighting is thought about you can pull back a bit more but i think a lot of us are walking into spaces where the lighting isn't even really thought about yeah um, yeah, you need light sometimes. Aware. Yeah, you need yeah. sometimes. It's just about just having the light. Um, but yeah, no. Interesting. You mentioned just like not do doing. T I think because it's. I think the idea of not overloading on the, on the pre. Like planning and logisticking and stuff um, is is smart because I in. In some respects, in my head, it's about like uh, removing as much decisions on the day as possible. But it, there's other ways to do that, I guess, in terms of yeah. Just coming so, that's so and, funny because mm. I find it hard. Like to me, in my head, mm. if I tell anyone anything beforehand, I I find it hard to remember on the day in the moment. Like, what did I say I was gonna do? Mm. So I actually find it more stressful to tell people or try to pre-organize things or like okay i'm gonna record the bride's audio for the vows or for the letters at this time mm -hmm. um i almost just like to not do any of that because then i can just on the day have so much flexibility and freedom of when i do mm -hmm. something because mm -hmm. i haven't given anyone the preconceived notion that i'm gonna do something yeah um so yeah i it, that's so funny i find it more mm -hmm. stressful actually to pre-plan everything mm -hmm. than i do to just I don't want to say wing it on the day because that's no, but go that with sounds, flow. But yeah. like, yeah. trust your intuition. We'll go with as yeah, the, as yeah, the more, um, and yeah. yeah, and I'll just chuck a recorder in my pocket, and mm. you know, have an extra battery on me. So there's yeah. almost not a situation where I'm not prepared for it. You know, if I need audio, I mm. can chuck it on, and you know, if I run out of batteries, I pop another one in and yeah, shoot handheld. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, not interesting, interesting, and because I think that then transitions to talking about how like equipment can help remove barriers too. Cause this is all like, this is all about removing barriers, right? Removing barriers, yeah, re removing 100%. like unneeded stress and complication so that we yeah. can free up our workflow. Right. And yeah. And I liked what you said earlier around like how you lay out your kit and trying to remove a lot of the, 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 um, mental headspace for that 
because um, yeah. that's something that I'm like now diving in on. Like I'm effectively rebuilding my kit from ground zero because wow, I've just awful. got my kit to a point where it's just like, it's really convoluted and complicated and involved and yeah, it produces beautiful imagery, but um, it's just providing a lot of headache on the day. And it's like yep. one very different camera that like might work on a gimbal, but then this other camera that like only works on a tripod and, and I, I just, it's become yeah. such a ball like, so. Yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, at the end of the mm. day, like I could shoot everything on reds or black magic cameras and it's mm. going to look so much more cinematic, but the headache involved and the shots I might miss mm. and the experience that would change to mm. me is just not worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, there's not nothing else more to really say in that other than um, I'm really seeing the benefit in a in what a streamlined kit for our line of work can really mean in terms of yeah. um, getting getting out of the way of you doing your job on the day. I think is really yeah the big and, thing. And I think it really depends too. Like some people's brand may be their beautiful imagery, and mm. if that is your brand, then the client experience may be less important and something like a black magic may make sense to you, you know? And I don't know if you shoot on, I may just be dissing black magic and that's exactly what you're no, on. No, so um, I mean, fuck it, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'll go and I'm, so I currently shoot on C, C70, so Canon C70 yeah. as my main camera. Mm -hmm. And then I've got um, R5C as my B cam yeah. and then some other yeah. stuff as C. And it's just like, each of those have just like loads of compromises between them and they mm. each do very different things differently and better and mm. worse and everything. And so I'm having to like constantly like figure out like, like, should I be using the C70 for this? Should I be using the R5? And so yeah. I'm effectively yeah. getting to the point where I'm going to sell all of it and switch to something. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. just going to go yeah. like an FX3 and two FX30s and just be fucking yeah. done with it because I'm sick yeah. of of trying to of every gear decision being a tetris move of like what's gonna yeah. be the best decision here and i'm just yeah. that's just adding adding so much mental load on yeah. the wedding day that i just want to get rid of that yeah mental load yeah and the, the mental load is huge like mm. and now with with gear removed and gear as easy as possible 90 mm. percent of my mental load that i'm decision making on mm. is um how are we coming across to the planner? Are they happy? How are we coming across to the photographer? Are they happy? Mm. How are we coming across to the mm. couple? Are they happy? That's mm. pretty much all I'm thinking about. Yeah. So like in my, in, on my peripheral vision, I'm looking mm. at the photographer. I'm looking at the facial expressions on the couple. Mm. And I, I think what's really surprising to me is sometimes I see the lack of EQ from mm either sometimes second shooters or the photographer mm. um, on seeing like sometimes the bride is done and like yeah. you got to realize when they're done, yeah. like it's not about us. It's not about getting something like they need water. They need AC, especially <laughs> yeah. in Alabama. It gets real hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just understanding those nuances that may have nothing to do with the film at all, but mm. have a lot to do with your the client's experience, experience and mm. whether or not you'll be referred. Because yeah. be, you'll be more likely to be referred based on how you were as a person on the day mm. than the quality of your film. 
Because yeah. anyone who's not a wedding videographer, when they see themselves in a cinematic video, they're like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. Yeah. And I know. if it's yeah. 80% or 100% of mm. your best work, it's the same experience for them, you know, maybe as filmmakers, we critique it more, but for them, it's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's like the, <clears throat> I think we get in the weeds a bit about like what is benefiting our work and what isn't like, I am under no illusion that my, the image of my C70 will be slightly better than the image I get off the FX3. Um, yeah, but <laughs> If I if my workflow is better and I'm at the end of the day not absolutely exhausted from like hoiking a C70 around on a gimbal all all day, and I've got more like actual physical energy and 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 a, in a better mood, that's gonna have a better impact on the actual client experience and stuff. Um, not to say I'm a miserable bastard at the end of a w w wedding day. <laughs> um, on the inside, I am. My no, definitely. I, t I totally get you, though. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, and you'd, um, you'd be surprised. All you have to do is look at some of these really high-end photographers and look at the video teams they're working with and the quality mm -hmm. of their work. And if that doesn't tell you something, um, you know, a lot of these high-end videographers like are not the most technical people or don't have the best films there's and i say this yeah. all the time but there's people who charge three grand who make way better films than me yeah. but uh, the experience that you give mm. the photographer and the planner mm. will elevate you because yeah. if they like working with you they're just going to keep referring you and 90 percent of our work it, that we get is through referrals um mm. just by providing good experience i don't even really post on instagram to be honest mm. Um, yeah, because it's, it's like it's, while, but. it's it's that it's holistically what is the experience, right? Because like for some people, the gear is and the projection of the gear is part of the experience. You know, I think of the likes of Justin Porter Media, who comes mm -hmm. in all guns blazing, like full TV crew aesthetic. Because it's yeah, I feel as much the aesthetic as the the resulting quality on his work of like for the couples it's like this is the like level of le the level of effort and the level of production value that he's, yeah. he is bringing to their wedding day aesthetically yeah as yeah. much as the the resulting work so yeah um, definitely. it's all experience absolutely um yeah and i'm absolutely yeah. i'm I, i'm more and more appreciating um if like going more into the post-production side now like the 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 trade-off between like <clears throat> yeah i could spend three months finessing a film but mm -hmm. what's going to be actually holistically better for the client experience a client wake, waiting six months to a year for their film or getting their film in a timely manner what's actually going to result in a better experience overall for everyone yeah. and more referrals yeah and, and, yeah i'm I'm curious, what's, what is your post-production workflow? Are you outsourcing? Are you doing it yourself? Or what's, what's kind of your go-to yeah, right I'm, now? I'm experimenting with a bit of outsourcing currently, um, just from, from last year's mega season. Um, yeah. <laughs> need, needed to do something because, because I basically I made the decision. I was looking down the barrel of certainly for some of my couples at the end of my season, a horrifically long um uh turnaround time 
and so yeah. I made the t- decision. So I did some some research and eventually found um, this guy who could do some a certain style of film like that that I liked. So like I've got a relatively broad range of clients and for the clients that want like a super bubbly bubbly happy film he could do that style and because i tested him on other styles and it was it was terrible but like for the super bubbly happy (laughs) um super like super cute couple yeah i was like okay he can he can help out and so i and and what was fantastic was that um for every one of those films that he did and i delivered um the couples were like so ecstatic and just like just had amazing feedback so i was stoked and i was like okay this is like a um it felt like the right decision to Mm -hmm. um remove a bit of my i guess like ego from the equation of like i'm the only one who can like edit my stuff um yeah yeah and 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 just start to uh i guess trust trust a bit more but um yeah. i would love okay, to so i would love question. to yeah so yeah you dive in you're gonna enter okay, me so, <laughs> so this will be some some r&d for me as far as wedding post house mm. before you started outsourcing what mm. was the biggest one or two factors that were stopping mm. you from deciding to outsource or maybe top top three reasons yeah uh cost was a bit biggie yeah so mm-hmm. cost was a bit, bit biggie for me um just looking at the um because certainly when i was first started look because i started looking for outsourcing ages ago and then stopped because i think that was before wedding post house even existed so there wasn't like an option that along what you guys do now that was even available and it was effectively especially with the conversion rate a lot of them being in america the conversion rate being like I'm losing. I'm losing half my income trying to outsource yeah. my editing. Yeah, it's just it's just not making financial sense. Like it's it's yeah. it's like yes, it, will, it would be lovely if I could turn around my films um, in half the time, but if I'm losing yeah. half my money, it's not making any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth that that trade yeah. around. Yeah. Um. So okay. Yeah. Were there other reasons? Um. Honestly, that was the that was the biggest i mean there was there was some um like creative elements of just like not really trusting that i could find so especially like look if i'm spending this much money and it's still coming back like eh, like i was i was not feeling yeah. stoked on that idea yeah um yeah interesting no yeah That's but great. what yeah what's interesting is that i have moved my workflow more into kind of doing effectively what wedding post house does myself first which is like beforehand i would kind of just like loosey-goosey put things together and then like maybe at the end like do the ceremony um multi-cams and and stuff it was all over the show whereas now like i'm much more methodical and like do like all the multi-cams do my culling get myself all set up and then go okay yeah I can edit the film. Um, I can get myself into, I guess, like a flow state of editing. Yeah. Quickly, yep. which is what I yep. have appreciated 
being able to start like the sort of creative editing process with a really organized set of media is that I can get myself yeah. into a flow state faster. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, and so yeah. I'd love to now throw it back to you <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and here, if, if you've had, um, I guess your experience now, like working with filmmakers with wedding post house and what you may have learned through the whole process of setting, setting wedding filmmakers up with, um, like on, on the best foot to start editing basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we hear that a lot from people that like, mm. man, I'm, I got my edit out so much faster because yeah, you can, mm. um, uh, Chris Jesperson with Storybox cinema said it mm. really well. He's like, he, I asked him, we, he, we did a project for him and, mm. you know, I was like, what's your feedback? I want to know your thoughts mm. on it. And he said, it was so great. You know, he's like, I only have so much creative, like energy. And it mm. was so great to not waste any of that on Cullen. Because, you know, it, it it's still decision-making. It's still creative mm. decision-making. Granted, a lot simpler decision-making. But he said, he, he said, I got my edit out so much faster because I had all my good shots. I literally just pulled music in and just started throwing in shots. Mm. And if I needed, you know, audio from the ceremony, from the speeches, it's already multicam. So I just take the angle I want or yeah. angles I want and just throw it in. So it was interesting to hear that from him and kind of similar to what you said, like you can mm. edit so much faster once everything's organized for you because you can get into that flow state so quickly. Yeah. Um, but the other thing we hear from people is, I call it our big three. Um, mm. The reasons why people don't outsource is number one, cost. Mm. Number two um, is turnaround time. Mm. And number three is the loss of creative control. Um, and that's kind of the the whole um, reason we created Wedding Post House was to address mm. those three issues. Cost, you know, we start at us 350 um which obviously is a little more and we do actually have some clients in australia none in new zealand yet um you know but uh maybe you can be our first one but um yeah and some in germany and and other spots around the world as well but um cost is one big one and then turnaround time so obviously we that's one thing we really um strive to do well um we actually just did one for peyton frank uh in italy it was um I actually shot the event with her in Italy, but it was a five-day event. So we had, mm. uh, I think, five days of filming, and we turned it around about three days for her. Um, yeah, nice. After I got back from the wedding, I, uh, I had to get home first. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do yeah. offer um, four-day turnarounds um, yeah. as an option. But generally, it's within about a week you get your project mm. back. And, you know, it's pretty much unheard of in the outsourcing world to be anything under a three- to four-week turnaround. Um, so we're, yeah. we're pretty proud of that, getting most projects back within about mm. five days. Um, and then the last thing is, um, yeah, just the creative control, keeping creative control because, it, and that's the thing I found when I was outsourcing my edits, it would be about 80 to 90% there. And I'd still spend mm. those couple hours tweaking, adjusting yeah. my colors, adjusting my, you know, audio mastering, maybe flipping out some shots. Um, and just and like the, the, the taste tempo. level isn't like locked in on you like because like even like these yeah. edits i get back from my guy like this they're like they're, yeah, think they're 90 percent there <laughs> but every yep. n- now and again you're like i wouldn't have used that shot or like yeah you know yeah yeah that transition and was for a bit some harsh people that or, works <laughs> yeah 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 and and there are companies like arceus where yeah. like or even wedded or where you know you can pay two to three grand for an edit and it's going to be like 
you know, Schmecko. send yeah. to the client, you're yeah. done. Um, yeah. But, you know, especially in markets like Australia and New Zealand mm. that aren't like the United States where mm. the average isn't super high for a film. Um, yeah. I know going back to Australia, I have buddies back there and mm. it's like, you know, it's three grand's the average. Um, so whereas the US maybe, you know, closer to five would be more average. Mm. So there's, there's less wiggle room in other places mm. to, to be able to have more of an outsourcing budget. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the big three factors that we try to really accommodate for people. And um, yeah, it's, it's been good so far. We just hit, uh, we've done a little over 400 projects actually. Yeah. Um, so that's been, that's been cool to see and yeah, had some great feedback from it as well. Yeah, nice. Amazing, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool because I think there's, um, I agree with what you're saying, like Chris was saying, that kind of like creative, like you can, you have a certain amount of energy to give to a project before you start getting fatigue on it. And if you mm. can remove as much of that bandwidth from the pre, like from like all the brunt work stuff, because all of your like bandwidth for a particular couple, a particular wedding, hearing those speeches again and again and again is, is eaten up and just the, like getting the project to the point where you can start to edit. Yeah. So if you can dive in and on edit and keep all that bandwidth for the creative stuff, sounds fantastic. So um, yeah, no, I will be your first New Zealand client. I will we'll be sending through <laughs> a wedding. They got a couple more left. They got to edit it. for the season. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. By the yeah. time this episode goes live, maybe I'll have my project back already. <laughs> yeah, and we actually. Mm. So you, this is actually you're the first mm. one hearing this out of anybody. Mm. Uh, but we're building right now, our web developers are building a full like login account with your dashboard and your portal. Um, we're going to have like a rewards program where um, once you book a certain amount of edits with us, you get a certain discount for your lifetime. And it actually goes mm -hmm. up to 20%, which is really cool. Um, nice. So you can be getting 20% off 350, uh, which math in my head's about 70 bucks. So down to about 280, uh, which, you know, makes a massive difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, doing some cool stuff with that. Um, there's mm. going to be some project tracking where you can see the updated status of uh, where your edit's at and when it's going to be delivered. Um, so, yeah, just little things to really make the client experience better um, mm. for people and just make it as seamless and integrated as possible um, is kind of mm. what's coming down the barrel at the end of the summer. Yeah, amazing. Love it. Cool, man. Well, that all sounds very exciting. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've... I think um, now's probably a good time to sort of land the plane and, and wrap things up. But I think it's been great to kind of, I guess, just like holistically talk about removing mental load, right? Like re removing yeah. barriers, removing m mental load from getting in the way of creativity, I think yeah. is kind of like what this discussion's like effectively been about. So. Yeah. whether that's on the pre-production side on the wedding day or post-production side um there's loads of parts of the process that if you don't think about it can just get like bogged down with stuff getting in the way of yeah either your or like you know that contribute to burnout or get in the way of creativity or um just straight up um affect your like hourly rate <laughs> in terms of like yeah. how much time you're spending on things. It's just like yeah. sucking down your, your hourly rate in terms of um, how much time you're spending versus how much yeah. you're charging for weddings. Um, yeah, because you only have so yeah. much mental capacity. So 
any decision you can pre-make for yourself uh is going to save that that mental capacity so yeah. yeah i think that's that's huge yeah absolutely amazing well um yeah i hope everyone uh found something to take away from today's episode and if you're interested in removing some of the mental load from your post-production side we'll have all the links to wedding post house uh below um as well as potentially a little discount code i think we're going to sort that yeah, out it's i think that's live already actually uh we've set it up on our end so uh i believe Amazing. it's uh mbwf10 all capitalized it is um case sensitive cool. so Sweet. make better wedding fills mbwf10 uh, and you can get 10 percent off your first edit uh Sweet. thanks to ben wicked amazing well there you go we'll have all that info below and nothing else left to say other than thank you brady for your time great to chat and um did we, we didn't quite get you back to full aussie accent but um we tried no <laughs> i'm sure it came out a little bit but yeah yeah no thanks for having me on appreciate it uh always always fun chatting and uh talking shop and yeah i just appreciate your time having me on amazing Alrighty, team what's well, gonna do us for this episode we'll see you all next time bye